Good evening. Good to see each one of you in the Lord's house tonight. Let's stand together. Turn to page 336. Page number 336. Redeemed. Redeemed. We'll sing all three verses as we begin together tonight. Lift it up on the first. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. Redeemed. His child and forever I am Redeemed and so happy in Jesus No language my rapture can tell I know that the light of His presence With me doth continually dwell Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb mercy his child and forever I am I think of my blessed Redeemer I think of him all the day long I sing for I cannot be silent his love is the theme of my song redeemed 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 by the blood of the Lamb infinite mercy his child and forever I am amen man I like that song to that melody amen and uh, sure thankful tonight for for our Redeemer amen and it uh, seems like we heard something about that this morning I think so sure glad our Lord wants to buy us back to him amen and uh, what a blessing well trust you've had a restful uh, afternoon and certainly looking forward uh, tonight as we close out uh, 2023 and uh, I don't know that I'll be here to see 2024 get here but uh, certainly could think of no better place to be tonight though than the house of the Lord amen and so uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight and ask God's blessing on our services uh, I'm gonna ask brother Matt Whitney if you would pray for us tonight Amen. Why don't you be seated uh, tonight? Uh, of course, don't forget about the Linger Longer uh, following uh, the service tonight over in the Fellowship Hall. And did just want to mention this. If you came tonight and didn't bring finger food, certainly want to encourage you to stay. There'll certainly be plenty uh, over there uh, to eat and looking forward to a good time of fellowship and, and those kind of things. Also, I mentioned this morning, want to mention again tonight, if you have kids in Faith Baptist School, don't forget about uh, school does start back uh, this coming Tuesday, January uh, the 2nd. And then uh, Friday, this coming Friday night, January the 5th, we'll be hosting our first uh, series of va uh, volleyball and basketball games against Heritage Baptist School. That'll start at 6 o'clock in the evening over in the E.J. Watson uh, Gymnasium. And then also wanted to mention this on the slide uh, that we have that's, that's going uh, for uh, the uh, Sophie Meerhoff uh, wedding that's supposed to take place on February the, 20, uh, February the 24th. 
There's a wedding shower for Miss Sophie uh, this coming Saturday, January the 6th. It says 3 p.m., but do want to make sure that you're aware it's actually 1, uh, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And again, that's over in the fellowship hall here at the church. And of course, they are registered at Amazon. And so let's be a blessing uh, to this uh, young couple as they start out uh, serving the Lord together. Also, I uh, wanted to mention this as well. The uh, Midwest Couples Retreat is February the 2nd and the 3rd uh, at the uh, Doubletree Hotel over in Overland Park, uh, Kansas. And there's a sign-up sheet for that in the outer foyer. And the reason that I mention that is because we do need to be signed up by next Sunday. So any married couples that would like to go to that, make sure that you sign up for that. The cost is like, uh, it's $190 that pays for your hotel room. And I'm, I'm not sure, but I think that it, pay, it may pay for the breakfast the next morning. I don't know. Uh, but in, anyways, I, I would say this. It's a, it's a great time. And, and I realize we live in this area, but it, it's, listen, you don't have to make your bed. That's worth $190 right there. Amen. But do want to encourage, it's good for married couples to get away, amen, and do want to encourage you. Now, the guest speakers this year, I don't, I, I'm the guest speaker, all right, so I can say that, but uh, anyways, I am looking forward, my wife's going to, my wife's going to preach, amen, she's been nervous for a year, amen, uh, but uh, she's going to be speaking with the ladies, but we're excited certainly to be a blessing, but do want to encourage our couples uh, to go, it'd be stuff you already heard, so you're, you can just kind of hang out. Enjoy the retreat together, amen. So looking forward to that. All right, brother Eric, come on in. I'm going to let you remain seated for this song, but let's turn to page 328. Page 328. We're going to sing all four verses at Calvary. Page 328. Years I spent in Calvary, mercy, 
aren't you thankful for Calvary tonight? Amen. Well, it's been a great day in the Lord's house. And ask Brother Josh Whitney, if you would, please pray for the offering tonight. Amen. I shall behold him. One of these days we will. Amen. If you know the Lord as your Savior, praise the Lord. Let's all stand together. Turn to page 646. Page 646, the unclouded day. We're going to sing the first, the third, and last verse for our last song together tonight. Sing it out on that first. Oh, they tell me of a home far beyond the skies. Oh, they tell me of a home far away. Oh, they tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise. Oh, they tell me of an unclouded day. Oh, the land of cloudless day. Oh, the land of an unclouded day. Oh, they tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise. Oh, they tell me of an unclouded day. Oh, they tell me of a king in his beauty there. And they tell me that mine eyes shall behold Where he sits on the throne that is whiter than snow In the city that is made of gold Oh, the land of cloudless day Oh, the land of an unclouded day Oh, they tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise an unclouded day. Oh, they tell me that he smiles on his children there, and his smile drives their sorrows all away. And they tell me that no tears ever come again in that lovely land of unclouded day. Oh, the land of cloudless day. Oh, the land of an unclouded day. clouds rise. Oh, they tell me of an unclouded day. Amen. Great singing tonight. Let's go ahead and uh, have a seat together. And our brother Gary Clark is going to come and sing right before the message tonight. I've had many tears and sorrows 
I've had questions for tomorrow There have been times I didn't know right from wrong But in every situation God gave blessed consolation that my trials come to only make me strong through it all through it all I've learned to trust in Jesus I've learned to trust in God through it all through it all I've learned to depend upon his word I've been to lots of places and I've seen a lot of faces There have been times I felt so all alone But in my lonely hours Yes, those precious lonely hours Jesus, let me know that Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned upon his word we thank God for the mountains and we thank him for the valleys we thank him for the storms he's brought us through for if we never had a problem we wouldn't know that he could solve them we'd never know just what faith god could do through it all through it all we've learned to trust in jesus We've learned to trust in God Through it all Through it all We've learned to depend upon God's it when people are examples of the songs they sing amen and certainly brother clark is one of those that's learned to trust in the lord amen and 
has been such a faithful example. Sure appreciate him. Well, it's good to be back in God's house uh, tonight, and uh, hopefully we got the slide uh, up there now, and so you can kind of see it. Uh, but this is what we're going to look at uh, tonight, and if you can't see the slide, you should have sat closer, amen. And uh, so let's all stand tonight in honor of God's Word, and want to invite you to John, the book of John in chapter number 3, the wonderful gospel of John, and where Luke, of course, uh, lifts up the Savior as the Son of Man that's come to seek and, and to save that which is lost. The Gospel of John, if you know anything about this, it proclaims this, Jesus is God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And of course, we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. The Word of, the word of God was made flesh, and dwelt among us there, and, and, and certainly that's all back in, in chapter number one, but we're going to be in chapter number three tonight, and I love the wonderful discourse here of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and Nicodemus, and, and certainly we learn that except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God, amen. But then following that, I want us to pick up in verse number 22, because there's another scene that follows that. The Bible says this in John chapter 3 and verse 22, After these things came Jesus and His disciples into the land of Judea, and there He baptized with them, or I'm sorry, and there He tarried with them and baptized. Now I think it's important to go down to John chapter 4 where it begins to tell us that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John in verse number 1. But then notice verse number 2, it says, Though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples. I think, I think it's almost, we could say it like this, the Lord knew that we would make an idol out of baptism. So he didn't baptize, but of course his disciples uh, would. But then notice verse 23 of John 3, it says, And John also was baptizing in Anon near to Salem, because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized. For John was not yet cast into prison. <coughs> Excuse me. Verse 25. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And so notice here, and they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi... He that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except he be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, <laughs> but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. Listen, Jesus is the bridegroom, the church is the bride, John the Baptist is the best man, amen. Look at verse number 30, though, and of course this is our theme verse for next year. The Bible says this, of course this is John, it says this, he must increase but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly, and speaketh of the earth. 
He that cometh from heaven is above all. And certainly you can keep reading there. It's tremendous there. I certainly want to read verse 36, the very last. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. And certainly John the Baptist preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. So tonight, as already mentioned, we are going to look at our theme for 2024. It's found there in verse number 30 there. He must increase, but I must decrease. I have often seen this or viewed this, uh, this picture of these old balance uh, scales during the Bible times. You can kind of see it there uh, in the background. And the idea here is this, is that where one side is filled up with us, the other side has Jesus. And the idea here is this, is that we would empty all of that stuff out so that the Lord Jesus has all of us. Does that make sense? While people often ring in the new year with physical goals, I thought a great title for tonight's message would be this, How to Shift the Scales. How to shift the scales. But I'm not talking about weight scales tonight. I'm talking about our spiritual scale in life. How you and I need to empty ourselves of who we are. And just let the Lord Jesus Christ have every bit of us tonight. So that's what we're going to see is how to do that tonight. Father, would you bless the preaching now in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you be seated tonight. If you, have, if you have ever had to downsize anything, then you know what John the Baptist is experiencing in this text. When Natalie and I lived in Cassville, and I was pastoring Bible Baptist Church there, uh, we had the opportunity to build a, a house. We had uh, lived in the parsonage that the church had for a little bit of time. And so we had gotten to a place where we were ready and, and, and started looking for our own place. We actually ended up, because of the way the housing market was in the area, we ended up finding a house that was being built by a contractor. He had built several other houses uh, in the neighborhood. The, the foundation had already been laid. The roof was already on. The walls and everything had already been framed up. We actually got to walk in it and to see the layout. And, and we really, we loved the layout, the way that it was, the split floor plan, all of that stuff. All we had to do was go and basically pick out the colors that we wanted, the walls painted, the fixtures, the flooring, things like that. In fact, we did it all in one day. We came back to the contractor and showed him everything that we'd done and said, we don't even need marital counseling. <laughs> if you know anything about doing that, then you understand, mercy, that's incredible, amen. So, because he even looked at us and said, I can't believe you did this all in one day. And I said, yeah, and we don't even need marital counseling. He almost fell off the tailgate of his truck, amen. It was a three-bedroom, two-bath uh, two uh, house, and it was on two-and-a-half acres and, and no trees. Because I hate raking. I don't know if I've told you that or not. But I love mowing because a man can solve a lot of life's issues on a mower. Amen. And so we loved it. I, it was, it was, but, but here's the thing. It was a large house. It was over, well over 2,000 uh, square feet. It was a big house. And so you and I both know that big houses come with big house payments. Um, later on, uh, Natalie really wanted to be a stay-at-home 
mom, she was doing the dialysis nurse at the time thing, and of course I was pastoring, and so she wanted to be a stay-at-home mom and homeschool, continue homeschooling our kids. And so with only me working, this obviously presented a problem with that big house payment. And so we stretched our faith for a little while, and God did provide. And I'm, I'm very thankful for that. But we also wanted to get to this place. And I, and I think this, that really God's people need to grab a hold of this. We also wanted to get to this place where we could give more. Where we could give back to faith promise more. Where we could give to God's people more. That we could be a blessing in, in that way. And, and so because we were really tight, we decided to go ahead and sell our house and to downsize. And so we did. We ended up buying a much smaller uh, three-bedroom, two-bath uh, house that still met, met our needs, but, but was certainly quite a bit smaller. I, I used to hate it. I used to hate it when people would come up and ask us why we moved. I hated it. Because downsizing isn't the norm. Upsizing is what people do. And, and so you felt like they were thinking you, you, you know, they, they were thinking that, well, you know, they probably bit off more than they could chew with the other house and they were incompetent with their finances and didn't know what they were doing. And I've got to be honest with you, I hate appearing that way. And so, uh, you know, when people would ask me, I would go into this long explanation of it was Natalie's fault. And uh, no, I, you know, we, we really, that, you know, and I would kind of give my spiel and explain all of these things and, and all, of this, all of this stuff. But the point is this, is that downsizing isn't the norm in housing, just as it's usually not the norm in ministry. And what I'm trying to get across to you is this, is that when things aren't the norm, people are going to ask questions, and, and such is the case of our text here with John the Baptist. I want you to notice there in verses 22 and, and 23 and, and 24 that kind of they, they set up our scene here. Look, look there with me again. It says, After these things came Jesus and His disciples into the land of Judea, and there He tarried with them and baptized. And of course it goes on and says, And John also was baptizing in Anon, near Salem, uh, which because there was much water there, and they came and were, were baptized. And of course, the reason all of this is going on is because John had not yet been put uh, in, in prison. And so, re really, these verses right here begin to give us a, a, some important understanding about the doctrine of baptism. Ba baptism doesn't save us. Ba baptism is a picture of what saves us, which is the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That, that's why they went to where it says much water was at. Well, because they immersed them in baptism and because that is a proper picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which saves us. So, so you understand, listen, the Bible knows nothing of infant baptism because infants cannot repent and confess that Jesus is the Christ. The Bible knows nothing of sprinkling or pouring because these do not picture the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, both the ministries of John the Baptist and Jesus Christ, they practiced baptism. It was a picture 
But it was also a public profession that someone had been saved. You know, what I've come to understand today is this, is that churches today either don't practice baptism at all, or they go to the other end of the spectrum and make a sacrament out of it, meaning that's what saves you. Won't you listen to this tonight? You understand, one, we're going to practice the ordinance of baptism because it is an ordinance that Christ left to His church. But number two, we're going to do it the way that they did it and why they did it. We're going to do it with immersion because it is a symbol, not a sacrament. So I just want to make that clear tonight, plus I like preaching on baptism. But look verse 25 says, then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And they came unto John and, and said unto him, Rabbi. And you kind of get, you know, when they came to Jesus with this, it usually had a little bit of a sarcastic tone to it. You almost want to go, Rabbi. He that was with thee beyond Jordan, all right, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. It's pretty interesting here. Now look, now look at verse 25, because it says, Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. So the Jews come to John with his disciples here. They start asking questions about purifying. Purifying was the washings done by the priests who served in the temple. So that's talking about Old Testament. Now, please listen to this. Purifying is not the same as New Testament baptism. It's not the same, okay? But it is similar in this that both had water and both had symbolism, okay? And so this is why they're confused and they're coming to the disciples of John the Baptist and asking questions here about purifying and, and those kind of things. But then look specifically at verse 26, because they come to John, and they said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. See, when they finally had an opportunity to talk to John about baptism, their question wasn't about baptism. It was about the ministry of John beginning to shrink while the ministry of Jesus Christ was beginning to grow. It's typical of men, especially the lost, isn't it? That they judge a ministry not necessarily by the truth of the Word of God, but they judge it by its popularity among men. Now, now let me say this. In this case, in this instance, they were correct. All men should be flocking to Jesus Christ. That was John's purpose. But, but you and I both know, especially in our day and time, that's certainly not always the case. See, nowadays, men aren't flocking to biblical churches. Men are flocking to entertainment. Men are flocking to get their ears tickled. And like John's ministry, biblical churches may find themselves shrinking, and pastors may even find themselves feeling a base when people ask them, how big is your church? And when they answer them with a much smaller number than they were expecting, there's this kind of look on their face that makes you feel like maybe you're not as worthy as what maybe you feel like you should be, however you want to put it. But I love John's answers down through here. 
It shows us that no matter what they thought of him, he wasn't ashamed. He understood that he was simply being faithful to the purpose God had called him to. And shrinking down was fine so long as the purpose was being accomplished. And it was because the ministry of Jesus Christ was growing. And Jesus Christ was his purpose. Listen to this tonight. The point is this, is that pastors today need to take courage right here. Listen to me tonight. Listen, I realize I'm the pastor, and, but, but you understand, please, please listen to this. Success in ministry isn't defined by the size of the crowd. It's defined by the faithfulness to the cause. And so long as that cause is Jesus Christ and His gospel, then we need to keep preaching, and we need to keep door knocking, and we need to keep witnessing, and we need to keep loving people. The ministry may downsize in our day and time, but we can still pull some out of the fire like Jude said. You understand what I'm saying? And so that, that's really, I'm just telling you, that is a tremendous, that, that, that's the interpretation and really the main application of this passage right here. But we would also say this tonight, there is also a spiritual application here as well. I want you to look at verse 30 again because John, John says here, he must increase but I must decrease at the end of this, of this conversation with these Jews that have asked him uh, about why. Why is it that you're shrinking and he's growing? Well, here's why. He must increase and I must decrease. It's a conclusive thought right here. Man, doesn't it give us a picture of a broader spiritual principle that's found throughout all of God's Word? As John's ministry shrinks and the ministry of the Lord Jesus grows larger, this is also a picture of how our flesh and His Spirit are to work in our lives. We are to shrink. But He is to have more and more control of our lives. Listen, we are to decrease, but He is to increase. Now, now here's what I know, all right? Here, this, is, this is just for me tonight. This sounds good. But it, I mean, listen, just one little verse, and it packs quite a punch, doesn't it? And, and it does. And I know this. I know this. Please listen to this. I know that this is what I need in my life. I know that. But much of the time, this isn't how I operate. You're not supposed to agree with me. I said, go no, 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 no. You, you're more spiritual than we are. No. no, no. I, I know for me, that's not. I, just being honest with you tonight. The reality is, there's been way too much of me and far too little of him. So, so how is it? How is it that I shift the scales, so to speak? How is it that it moves? Christ is up here and the weight is all over here with all my stuff and all my junk. How is it? How is it that I dump all of this out and Jesus Christ increases and I decrease? And really what I begin to find is this, is that as you read down through here and John is 
is answering these Jews, you begin to see how you can do it in your own life. Let me just give you some thanks tonight, and I'm not going to be long because I, I know you're hankering for the finger foods tonight. But I want to give you some things tonight, and I believe they'll be a blessing to you. Might even find them to be a tremendous challenge. I know that I did. I want you to look at verse number 27 with me. So in verse number 26, again, when they come to Jesus, when they come to John the Baptist, excuse me, and they they don't ask about the purifying. I guess they settled that with the disciples, have no idea. Doesn't really tell us. But when they finally do come to John the Baptist, it's not about purifying, it's about how come Jesus is getting more and you're doing less. And so in verse 27, John answered them, John answered and said, listen to what he says here. A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Listen to this tonight. You want to shift the scales? You want to get less of you and more of him? Then get to the place where you acknowledge that everything you have is from God. Because that's exactly what that verse is saying right there. Now, now there's obviously, we could say it like this, there's probably a little bit of an argument here on which ministry John is speaking of here when he says this statement here that a man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. Certainly, there could be an argument for the Lord's ministry. He's talking about the Lord or he's talking about his own. And I would say to you this, the answer is yes. It's both. Because the ministry of the Lord's is no doubt from heaven. We, we would understand that. He's the, listen, He's the eternal Son of God that left the glory and splendor of heaven, was born of a virgin, is now come to bring salvation unto all men. We would understand that tonight. But we also got to go back to John in chapter 1 and see this, that there was a man sent from God whose name was John. And so we would understand that John also was, his ministry was from heaven. He is the forerunner of Jesus Christ, that Elijah-like prophet that is to come. And as we've seen in the Gospel of Luke, uh, in, in just recent messages, we would understand that even his birth was also special because his purpose in his ministry would also be special. We would understand that tonight. So here is what John is saying. Are, are you ready? L listen to this. The ministry of the Savior is growing because God has given it to him. But his ministry is shrinking, and here's why. Because God is taking it away. But whether it is growing or it is shrinking, it all belongs to God either way. Folks, it's, I mean, listen, it's just like us tonight. The reality is everything that you and I have tonight is from God. I mean, it really is. I, I don't know. I often look back in my life. I typically try to do it. I always feel like this, that what the psalmist said when we're to enter into his presence with thanksgiving. And so usually it is on Sunday mornings that I'll get into my prayer closet and I'll spend a tremendous amount of time really looking back on my life and just praising the Lord and thanking Him, thanking Him for my salvation and the way that God worked in my life. But I'm just telling you, I often look back in my life, and it's not to feel guilty, it's to rejoice in the grace and goodness of God. And I really think this, God's people need to do far more often, uh, need to do that far more often than what we do. And I look back often in my life and I thank God for where He has brought me from. I think about when I got saved 
in the life of alcohol and, and wickedness that, that I was living in, and yet God would dip down into my life and save me. Just incredible tonight. Listen, if you're over your salvation tonight, you've got bigger problems, friend. You've got some serious issues at hand. We really need to look back on that and rejoice. But I, then I start thinking about, you know, getting saved at the age of 20, and now it's been 28 years later, and the things that God has, has done in my life, uh, the, the godly wife that He has, has given me, I'm so nervous about her message at the couple's retreat, because I don't know what kind of story she's going to tell about me. I'm expecting all of those ladies to come back in the room and give me the stink eye. But I'm so great. Amen. You're not supposed to say amen right there. I am. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that God has given me a godly wife and a godly marriage. I'm thankful that we still laugh together. I'm thankful that He's given me four precious children. I was going to say three precious children and then one other child. But then all my kids would be sitting there wondering who's He talking about. But most of us would know it's Emily. <laughs> really, they are precious, and I'm so grateful for that. He's given me, I think about my house, and I'm, I, really, I, I realize it's temporal things and material things, but I'm thankful for it. I'm, I'm thankful I even wrote it in my notes. He gave me a Jeep, Brother Bellis. That's a glory hallelujah right there, amen. That's, but I'm so thankful that I get to be a part of Faith Baptist Church. And I get to pastor one of the Lord's churches. The truth is, time would not permit me tonight to list the multitude of blessings and the grace that God has bestowed upon my life. And I think it would be fair to say that neither could you tonight. But here's the point. The way He increases and the way we decrease, it's when we humble ourselves with a heart of gratitude. And we really acknowledge those things. Now here's the stickler tonight. This is the hard part. And probably most people in here tonight would say this, well, preacher, I do that. I've, I've done that. But then we got to ask the question, why is it that we haven't decreased? And he's increased. Because though we might say that we've done that, the truth is we really haven't done that. Say, so, preacher, how can, you, how, do you, how can you say that? I want you to listen to this tonight. You want to know the acid test as to know that you've truly humbled yourself and acknowledged that everything you have is from God? You want to know what the acid test is? How do you react when He takes it away from you? Don't you listen to this? How do you react when he takes it away? Because that's what's happening in John's life. Listen to me. Please listen to me. Please listen to this. That's what happened in John's life. It's shrinking. He's downsizing. God's pulling it away. Is anybody catching this? But yet, yeah, listen to this. John wasn't bitter. John wasn't angry. John wasn't quitting. John hadn't turned anti-God in his life. I, I want you to listen to this tonight. I even, I, even get, I even read all this to my wife tonight because I wanted to make sure that it sounded right. I don't want to come off as arrogant 
or anything. The truth of the matter is, I thought about me before I thought about anybody else and, and how convicting this is to me. And I, I, I even wrote in my notes tonight, I don't want this to sound the wrong way, but there are a lot of people in churches today that are saved and they're still full of themselves. And the only reason they are still in church is because God hadn't taken something away yet. I want you to think about that. They haven't suffered any hardships and they haven't gone through any tremendous difficulties. I want you to listen to this tonight. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Job chapter 1. Just quickly, Job chapter 1. When Job lost everything, when Job lost everything, this was his response in Job chapter 1 and verse 21 and 22. Listen to what Job said. Job said this, it said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return hither, or thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Listen to this, blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. You know what Job was saying tonight? The same thing that John the Baptist was saying in our text. Everything he had was from God. And so when God chose to take those things, God had the right because he's the one that gave them in the first place. And Job had already acknowledged that and said, everything that I have is from God. Job acknowledged it on a consistent basis because he worshiped the Lord and eschewed evil. That's powerful. It's a powerful thought, isn't it? And this is what I thought about is this, is that the truth is, and I want you to listen to this, there are also people still in church today who have lost that which is most precious to them. And like Job or even John, that's a powerful testimony. But the bottom line is this tonight, and I want you to listen to this. If we, if we want to get to that place, listen, where we tip the scales and we empty out who we are so that Jesus Christ increases in our lives, then it starts with us truly, and I mean truly, not, not, not just going through the motions, but truly humbling ourselves and realizing that everything we have is from God. Everything you've got. Everything. Number two tonight, I want you to look at verse number 28. And these will go a little bit quicker tonight. Look at verse number 28. So the next thing that he says is this, Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before Him. And so the second thing that I thought of here is this, is that it's also by understanding that this is what God has wanted from us in the first place. For Him to increase in our lives and us to decrease. What I'm trying to, that's exactly what John is saying right here in verse number 28 when he says, Ye yourselves bear witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before Him. When asked by the religious crowd, God, uh, John made it clear he was not the Messiah. There was one who would come after him, but was before him. In fact, he would say it like this, whose shoes latch it, I'm not worthy, or whose shoes I'm not worthy to latch, 
or however you want to say it. As much as I love the character of John the Baptist, he's not the Savior. He's the forerunner of the Savior. It was God's plan all along for his ministry to decrease as the Savior's ministry would gain momentum. And what I'm trying to say to you tonight is this, is that just as Jesus must increase and John must decrease, and that was God's plan all along for him. Listen, that's really God's plan for us. Please listen to this tonight. If you're saved, God didn't save you so that you could have some get-out-of-jail-free card where you could live the way that you wanted to live in your flesh and in your sin and glorify yourself. That was never the intention of our God. He came so that we might be saved and that we would have power over our sin and that we could die to our flesh and die to ourselves, and that we could bring Him glory in our lives. That's what God intended. And the reality is this. That is where the goodness and the blessings and the power of God is at that you and I long for tonight. I love this testimony of George Mueller. Many of you have heard of him. The evangelical preacher in England back in the 1800s who operated several orphanages And he was well known for his faith and having great power with God because the way that he ran his orphanages was just by prayer and trusting in God. And there were a multitude of times in his life where where, where George Mueller would see God do amazing things in his life and God would provide in the way that he worked and the miracles that he did and all of those things. And a man comes to George Mueller and says, I want to know the secret to your your service and, and how you do these things. And Mueller said this, there was a day when I died. I utterly died. I died to George Mueller. His opinions, his preferences, his taste, his will. I died to the world, its approval or its censure. I died to the approval or blame of even my brethren and friends. And since then, I have studied to show myself approved only to God. You want to know what the plan of God is for your life? It's exactly what Paul would say in Romans chapter 12, that you and I would be the living sacrifices that God has called us to be, that we would die to ourselves, that we would give up everything and we would turn away from our will and our desires and our flesh, and that we would turn away from those things and let Him have the increase. You want to know how to get rid of all this stuff tonight? Here's how. Humble yourself and repent. Turn it all back over to God and say, I don't want it anymore. I just want you. I just want you. Let me give you the last thing tonight, and I'm through tonight. Look down at verse number 29. I love this. He follows it up and says this, He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom... Who standeth and heareth him rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy therefore is fulfilled. (laughs) The last thing tonight is this, is if you want to shift the scales tonight, why don't you come to the realization of where the true source of joy is at? (laughs) Because it's not in all this stuff that's filling up your life. It's Him that has so little of you right now. No true best man rejoices when the focus is on Him. Rather, His joy is when the groom gets all the attention. 
The bride and the groom are who the wedding is all about. And it's the same with John the Baptist. As already mentioned, he's the best man. It's really about the Lord Jesus Christ and His church. And though his ministry is decreasing, Christ is increasing. And for John the Baptist, this brings him greater joy. And folks, it's the same with us tonight. Greater joy is not found when, when, when our life is about us. And Christ is just some side dish that we get to when maybe we have time. No, the greatest joy is when we die to ourselves and we let go of all of those things and we make Jesus Christ the main course of our life when He increases and we decrease. Roy Zuck asked the question, where is joy found? And then he answered the following. He said, not in unbelief. Voltaire was an infidel of the most pronounced type. And he wrote, I wished I had never been born. What a sad statement. It's not in pleasure. Lord Byron lived a life of pleasure, if anyone did. And he wrote, the worm, the canker, and grief are mine alone. It's not in money. Jay Gould, the American millionaire, had plenty of that. And when dying, he said, I suppose I am the most miserable man on the earth. And it's not in military glory. Alexander the Great conquered the then known world in his day. And having done so, he wept in his tent because he said there was no more worlds to conquer. Where then is real joy found? The answer is simply this, in Christ alone. John the Baptist knew that. He knew it. That's why he would conclude it all in verse number 30, and he would say this, He must increase, but I must decrease. The truth is, if we'll decrease, and He'll increase, we'll sure have a lot more joy. Sure have a lot more joy. Shifting the scales tonight. You want to shift those scales. Why don't you find a spot on the old-fashioned altar tonight where you haven't been in a long time? And humble yourself and realize everything you got, God gave you. That'd be a good start. And then realize this. That's been His plan all along. That we would die to ourselves. And then walk out of here experiencing joy like you haven't experienced in quite some time. Hey, in 2024... Let's let him increase and us decrease. Let's all stand tonight.